0: Chapter Eleven of the Bride of Lammermoor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. The Bride of Lammermoor by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter Eleven. Let them have meat enough, woman. Half a hen. There be old, rotten pilchards them off too. Tis but a little new anointing of them, and a strong onion that confounds the savor. Love's pilgrimage. The thunderbolt, which had stunned all who were within hearing of it, had only served to awaken the bold and inventive genius of the flower of Major's Domo. Almost before the clatter had ceased, and while there was yet scarce an assurance whether the castle was standing or falling, Caleb exclaimed, heaven be praised this comes to hand like the bowl of a pint stoup. he then barred the kitchen door in the face of the lord keeper's servant whom he perceived returning from the party at the gate and muttering how the deal come he in but deal may care mysie what are you sitting shaking and greeting in the chimney nook for come here or stay where ye are and skirl as loud as ye can it's all ye are good for i say ye old devil, skirl skirl louder Louder, woman, gar the gentles hear ye in the hall. "'I have heard ye as far off as the bass, for a less matter. "'And stay down with that crockery.' "'And with a sweeping blow he threw down from a shelf "'some articles of pewter and earthenware. "'He exalted his voice amid the clatter, "'shouting and roaring in a manner which changed Mysie's hysterical terrors of the thunder "'into fears that her old fellow-servant was gone distracted.' He has dummed down all the bits o' pigs too. The only thing we had left to hod a soup milk, and he has spilt the hatted hit that was for the master's dinner. Mercy save us! The old man's gang clean and clear wid with a thunner. Hod yer tongue, ye be," said Caleb, in the impetuous and overbearing triumph of successful invention. All's provided now. Dinner and nothing. The thunner's done all in the clap of a hand. "'Pear man, he's muckle astray,' said Mysie, looking at him with a mixture of pity and alarm. "'I wish he may ever come hame to himself again.' "'Here, ye old doited devil," said Caleb, still exulting in his extrication from a dilemma which had seemed insurmountable. "'Keep the strange man out of the kitchen. Swear the thunner came down the chimney and spoiled the best dinner ye ever dressed. Beef, bacon, kid, lark, liveret, wildfowl venison and what not lay it on thick and never mind expenses i'll awa up to the law make all the confusion you can but be sure you keep out the strange servant with these charges to his ally caleb posted up to the hall but stopping to reconnoitre through an aperture which time for the convenience of many a domestic in succession had made in the door and perceiving the situation of miss ashton he had prudence enough to make a pause both to avoid adding to her alarm, and in order to secure attention to his account of the disastrous effects of the thunder. But when he perceived that the lady was recovered, and heard the conversation turn upon the accommodation and refreshment which the castle afforded, he thought it time to burst into the room in the manner announced in the last chapter. MLowans, Wilhovens, such a misfortune to befall the house of Ravenswood, and I live to see it. "'What is the matter, Caleb?' said his master, somewhat alarmed in his turn. "'Has any part of the castle fallen?' "'Castle fawn? "'Nah, but the suit's fawn, and the thunners come right down the kitchen-lum, "'and the things are all lying here awa, there awa, like the lair de Hotchpotch's lands, "'and we brave guests of honour and quality to entertain—' "'A low bow here to Sir William Ashton and his daughter, "'and nothing left in the house fit to present for dinner, and for supper either—' "'for aught that I can see.' "'I very believe you, Caleb,' said Ravenswood dryly. "'Balderstone here turned to his master, "'a half-upbraiding, half-imploring countenance, "'and edged towards him, as he repeated, "'it was nay great matter of preparation, "'but just something added to your honour's ordinary course of fare. "'Petty cover, as they say at the Louvre. Three courses and the fruit.' "'Keep your intolerable nonsense to yourself, you old fool.' said ravenswood mortified at his officiousness yet not knowing how to contradict him without the risk of giving rise to scenes yet more ridiculous caleb saw his advantage and resolved to improve it but first observing that the lord keeper's servant entered the apartment and spoke apart with his master he took the same opportunity to whisper a few words into ravenswood's ear god your tongue for heaven's sake sir if it's my pleasure to hazard my soul in tellin' lees for the honour of the family, it's nae business o' yours, and if ye let me gang on quietly, I'd be moderate in my banquet, but if ye contradict me, deal but I dress ye a dinner fit for a duke. Ravenswood, in fact, thought it would be best to let his officious butler run on, who proceeded to enumerate upon his fingers, no muckle provision, might he served four persons of honour, first course. Capons and white broth, roast kid, bacon with reverence. Second course, roasted leveret, butter crabs, a veal florentine. Third course, black cock, it's black enough now with a soot. plum damas, a tart, a flam, and some nonsense sweet things, and comfits. And that's all, he said, seeing the impatience of his master. That's just all was o for by the apples and pears miss ashton had by degrees gathered her spirits so far as to pay some attention to what was going on and observing the restrained impatience of ravenswood contrasted with the peculiar determination of manner with which caleb detailed his imaginary banquet the whole struck her as so ridiculous that despite every effort to the contrary she burst into a fit of incontrollable laughter in which she was joined by her father though with more moderation and, finally, by the master of Ravenswood himself, though conscious that the jest was at his own expense. Their mirth—for a scene which we read with little emotion often appears extremely ludicrous to the spectators—made the old vault ring again. They ceased, they renewed, they ceased, they renewed again their shouts of laughter. Caleb, in the meantime, stood his ground with a grave, angry, and scornful dignity which greatly enhanced the ridicule of the scene and mirth of the spectators at length when the voices and nearly the strength of the laughers were exhausted he exclaimed with very little ceremony the deals and the gentles they breakfast so lordly that the loss of the best dinner ever cook put fingers to makes them as merry as if it were the best gist in all george buchanan if there was as little in your honour's wames as there is in caleb Lest Caclan would serve you on sick a gravamorous subject.' Caleb's blunt expression of resentment again awakened the mirth of the company, which, by the way, he regarded not only as an aggression upon the dignity of the family, but a special contempt of the eloquence with which he himself had summoned up the extent of their supposed losses. "'A description of a dinner,' as he said afterwards to Mysie, "'that would have made a foo man hungry.' and them to sit there laughing at it but said miss ashton composing her countenance as well as she could are all these delicacies so totally destroyed that no scrap can be collected collected my lady what would you collect out of the soot and the ash you may gang down your cell and look into our kitchen the cook made in the trembling exes the good vivers line all about beef capons and white broth florentine and flams. Bacon with reverence, and all the sweet confections and whimwams. You'll see them, all, my lady. That is, said he, correcting himself. You'll no see ony of them now, for the cook has souped them up, as was weel her part. But you'll see the white broth where it was spilt. I pat my fingers in it, and it tastes as like sour milk as onything else. If that isn't the effect o' thinner, I ken na what is. This gentleman here couldn't but hear the clash of our hail dishes. "'China and silver together.' "'The Lord Keeper's domestic, though a statesman's attendant, "'and of course trained to command his countenance upon all occasions, "'was somewhat discomposed by this appeal, "'to which he only answered with a bow. "'I think, Mr. Butler,' said the Lord Keeper, "'who began to be afraid lest the prolongation of this scene "'should at length displease Ravenswood, "'I think that were you to retire with my servant Lockhard,' He has travelled and is quite accustomed to accidents and contingencies of every kind, and I hope betwixt you you may find out some mode of supply at this emergency His Honour kens said Caleb, who, however hopeless of himself of accomplishing what was desirable, would like the high-spirited elephant rather have died in the effort than brooked the aid of a brother in commission His Honour kens will. I need nay counsellor when the honour of the house is concerned. "'I should be unjust if I denied it, Caleb,' said his master. "'But your art lies chiefly in making apologies, "'upon which we can no more dine than upon the bill of fare "'of our thunder-blasted dinner. "'Now possibly Mr. Lockhart's talent may consist in finding some substitute "'for that which certainly is not, and has in all probability never been.' "'Your honour is pleased to be facetious,' said Caleb. "'But I am sure that for the worst—' "'for a walk as far as Wolf's Hope. "'I could dine forty men. "'Know that the folk there deserve your honour's custom. "'They have been ill-advised in the matter "'of the duty eggs and butter. "'I winna deny that.' "'Do go consult together,' said the master. "'Go down to the village, and do the best you can. "'We must not let our guests remain without refreshment, "'to save the honour of a ruined family. "'And here, Caleb, take my purse. "'I believe that will prove your best ally.' "'Purse!' indeed quoth caleb indignantly flinging out of the room what should i do wi your honour's purse on your ain grunt i trust we are no to pay for our ain the servants left the hall and the door was no sooner shut than the lord keeper began to apologise for the rudeness of his mirth and lucy to hope she had given no pain or offence to the kind-hearted faithful old man caleb and i must both learn madam "'to undergo with good humour, or at least with patience, "'the ridicule which everywhere attaches itself to poverty. "'You do yourself injustice, Master of Ravenswood, "'on my word of honour, answered his elder guest. "'I believe I know more of your affairs than you do yourself, "'and I hope to show you that I am interested in them, "'and that, in short, that your prospects are better than you apprehend. "'In the meantime, I can conceive nothing so respectable as a spirit which rises above misfortune and prefers honourable privations to debt or dependence. Whether from fear of offending the delicacy or awakening the pride of the master, the Lord Keeper made these allusions with an appearance of fearful and hesitating reserve, and seemed to be afraid that he was intruding too far, in venturing to touch, however lightly, upon such a topic, even when the master had led to it in short he appeared at once pushed on by his desire of appearing friendly and held back by the fear of intrusion it was no wonder that the master of ravenswood little acquainted as he then was with life should have given this consummate courtier credit for more sincerity than was probably to be found in a score of his caste. he answered however with reserve that he was indebted to all who might think well of him and apologising to his guests he left the hall in order to make such arrangements for their entertainment as circumstances admitted upon consulting with old mysie the accommodations for the night were easily completed as indeed they admitted of little choice the master surrendered his apartment for the use of miss ashton and mysie once a person of consequence dressed in a black satin gown which had belonged of yore to the master's grandmother and had figured in the court balls of henrietta maria went to attend her as lady's-maid he next inquired after bucklaw and understanding he was at the change-house with the huntsman and some companions he desired caleb to call there and acquaint him how he was circumstanced at wolf's crag to intimate to him that it would be most convenient if he could find a bed in the hamlet as the elder guest must necessarily be quartered in the secret chamber the only spare bedroom which could be made fit to receive him the master saw no hardship in passing the night by the hall fire wrapped in his campaign cloak and to scottish domestics of the day even of the highest rank nay to young men of family or fashion on any pinch clean straw or a dry hayloft was always held good night-quarters for the rest lockhart had his master's orders to bring some venison from the inn and caleb was to trust to his wits for the honour of his family the master indeed a second time held out his purse. But as it was in sight of the strange servant, the butler thought himself obliged to decline what his fingers itched to clutch. could ye uh, slip it, it gently into my hand?' said Caleb. "'But his honour will never learn how to bear himself in sicken cases.' Micey, in the meantime, according to a uniform custom in remote places in Scotland, offered the strangers the produce of her little dairy, while better meat was getting ready. And according to another custom, not yet wholly in attitude, as the storm was now drifting off to leeward, the master carried the keeper to the top of his highest tower, to admire a wide and waste extent of view, and to weary for his dinner. End of chapter 11